Well, usually this time of year I say Merry Christmas. <laughs> Due to a change of schedules and everything that's going on, I'm here the first of the year instead of the end of the year, but I'm just glad that I'm here. And I thank God for you, and I always say, I always feel right at home at Harvest Baptist Church. God bless you. I'm looking in the rearview mirror at 2020. It's gone, but I'm looking through the windshield of 2021. God is still on the throne of heaven, and he still reigns over the affairs of mankind. Praise God. Take your Bibles, if you will, please. You can open it up anywhere you want to. It's all good. <laughs> But if you want to be with the preacher, turn to Psalm 40, if you will, please. Psalm number 40, begin reading from the first verse. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Can you say that? I can't. <laughs> I get so impatient sometimes. We're living in a time, you know, where everything has to be fast, instant, you know. And it's like years ago, the fastest a man can go is as fast as he could run. Then he learned to ride a horse, and now he can go quite a bit faster. But by and by, come the automobile. Now he can go 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. And that was pretty fast. But then the airplane come along, and now we're going hundreds of miles per hour. And after that, now we have space rockets in our solar system and galaxy going thousands of miles in one year. But the Bible does tell us that time, is, that God is timeless and he's not limited by time nor by space. And when I read in the scriptures here, I waited patiently for the Lord. It's trying to teach me that God knows what he's doing and he's still in control. I waited patiently to the Lord and here's the encouraging part, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. Have you ever prayed and said, Lord, are you there? God, are you hearing me? We could always rest assured that he hears our cry. But then we go on and read in the scripture, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to usward they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I were to declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I'm stopping and thinking of the churches that we have in America and in the world today. And I'm stopping and thinking of the churches of bygone days. And I've come to realize that our modern day churches, and I like a lot of modern things. I think electricity is a good thing, and I certainly don't want to do without indoor plumbing. That's a nice thing to have. But somewhere along the line, I think we lost something. And I'm talking about the old-fashioned testimony meetings that we used to have. Nowadays, when a pastor would pause the service and would say, folks, let's have some testimony. It's like dead silence. It's like people think, hmm, do I have a testimony? 
Is there something I've been blessed by? Is there something? And it seems like folks are just reluctant to stand up and to tell what God has done for them. They would we find it hard for them to come and find a person. They think something tremendous has to happen. But you could thank God today that you're not in a hospital. You could thank God today that somewhere along the line you're going to have a meal and you'll use a utensil and put it in your mouth and you'll eat it where some people are laying on a hospital bed with a needle in their arm being fed from a bag hanging on a pole. You got a lot to be thankful for today and give testimony unto God. I remember a particular meeting some years ago. It was an eight-day revival. Can you imagine that? Eight days of revival. We started on a Sunday, preached three services on Sunday morning, uh, Sunday and Sunday evening, two Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Then I preached Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday and Saturday and then come to the next Lord's Day and I preached this uh, Sunday school and the morning service. Come that evening service, God did not give me liberty to preach. I could have. I had my message. I had my text. I have ready to go, but I had no liberty in my heart to preach. And so I asked the pastor, pastor, can I just do something? He said, brother Susan, I got complete confidence in you. So I paused the service and said, folks, I am not going to preach. You've heard me preach all week long, three times Sunday and every day this week. You heard me preach twice this morning. I think it's about time you say something for God. I think it's about time you give testimony to the Lord. I didn't know what was going to happen. I asked uh, uh, for a microphone to be set up on the side of the pulpit over on this side of the platform. And that was, uh, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. And uh, when we sing that song, I want you to leave where you are with a testimony in your heart and bring it to this microphone and to give glory and praise unto God for the revival. We had souls saved. I mean, that was a tremendous meeting. People got right with God. Families were restored. Marriages were bound together. There was much to praise God for. And so I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought, well, maybe nobody will come, maybe one or two, and we'll be done and we'll go home. And uh, so we sang the song and folks began to line up. They didn't even hesitate. They lined up and there was a line all around the side of the building and halfway across the back of folks standing in line and waiting for their turn to give praise unto the almighty God. And the things were unfolded and the tears were shed and forgiveness was asked for and given. It was a tremendous time of testimony. An aged fellow, his name was Brother Don. And uh, he was uh, about 75 years old. His hair was all gray and he came up to those steps and he's a little shaky coming up. He got to the microphone and steadied himself on that microphone stand. And he began to give testimony. And he said, folks, I have been in this church all of my life, 75 years my name is on the crater roll down there in the nursery. And I was uh, born, my mama brought me to church and I've been to church all of my life. And he said, and I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed to say this is the first time I've ever given any public testimony to the Lord. But what about you? I'm not going to do that this morning. Somebody look a little worried look on your face. <laughs> I'm not going to do that this morning. But what about you? The next time when the pastor would ask for a testimony, would there be just dead silence? Or would there be almost, a, a, you, you know, a running time? I want to be first. I got something to say. I want to praise God for this. 
but testimony until what we have in this passage of scripture is David giving his testimony. He's telling you what the Lord hath done in his life. He's telling you how God worked in his heart and how God worked in his soul. And he says there was a time he was in deep despair and he waited upon God patiently for he knew that God would answer in due time and God heard his cry. And he said, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And you could picture it. Here was a man deep in the pit. He's too deep, he can't jump out. Too deep, he can't climb out. He could hardly stand up for the bottom was murky and muddy and slippery and miry clay. And every time he go to stand up, he'd fall back down with deep despair. He was in that day. But I wonder today how many are in that same despair in life today. They're down in the pit of depression. They're down in the pit of disappointment. They're down in the pit and seeing no way out today. And maybe even among us, you're kind of looking at things in your life and you're saying, I can't get out from where I am. But I can assure you today that Jesus Christ can break the bondage of sin and break the bondage of iniquity and set you free. And here he is and people maybe walk by and they see him in the pit and they say, you want to get out of that pit? I want to get out. He said, what you need to do is live a good life. What you need to do is keep the golden rule. What you need to do is love others. But the man's in the pit. He can't do that. He's all by himself. And so he stays. Another man walks by and says, you want to get out of the pit? He said, yeah, well, you got to join a certain church and you have to do certain ceremonies and you have to uh, do uh, certain rites and certain rituals. But the man's in the pit and he can't get out. Another man walks by and said, you want to get out of that pit? You got to pray five times a day facing east. And so the man five times a day prays facing east the best that he could find that direction. But yet he remains in the pit. But one day a man walked by that pit and the man looked out and says, do you want to get out? And the man says, yes. And he put forth his hand that had a nail print in it. And he sends his hand down that pit and pulls him out of that pit. And he was never the same after that. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. How sad today people find themselves into the pit of life. Some today are sitting perhaps home alone. They see no way out. Nobody cares. I'm lost and doomed forever. Some will decide life is just not worth living. I just heard of a young lady that I have known for a bit. Teenage girl now. Troubled in her heart. Troubled within. Made two attempts of suicide to end her life. And folks, I want to tell you today that suicide is never the way out. I've often said that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. There's no problem that God cannot solve. And David is saying here, I'm down in the pit, but I was delivered out of it. God delivered you out of the pit of sin. 
Has God brought you from the depths of iniquity? Has God brought you from that miry clay? Because you notice it says he brought me out of that horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And what did he do? He set my feet up on a rock. What a difference. Instead of slipping and sliding and, and trying and falling, now he's got a solid foundation. Did we not sing just a few moments ago how firm a foundation that we have in Jesus Christ today? The sand of the world shifts and falls and the sand of the world is so unstable like the man that built his house upon the sand. You recall that? But it was that wise man that built his house on Jesus Christ. And so it must be with us today. What are you building your life upon? What are you building your life? What is the foundation of your life? Here this man is in the pit. He's dark. He's lonely. Uh, he's sinking. He's helpless. And he's, and he's dying. But his life changed when he was brought out of that pit. And God could bring you out of your pit that you're into. You may think there's no way out. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I don't know your heart. I don't know your lot in life. I don't know what troubles you have faced, but I assume you have faced some troubles in life. And maybe you feel like you get over one, there's another one. You get over, you fight one battle, and then there's a, Another battle. But I want you to know today there is a way out. Now here he says, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. The first thing this man received was a healing. Yes, he got, the, he got physical healing. He got pulled out of that miry pit. But there's the pit of despair today that God wants to pull you from as well. You see, Sin always causes problems in our life. You just can't help it. And sin always is a thing that will put you into that horrible pit. And here he received, first of all, I believe, a spiritual healing. Now, I know that I've read in the scriptures and you have also the physical healings of Christ. But he always healed them with the soul first. Because what good is it if you heal a man and he say he's got a disease and you cure him of the disease. Now he goes to hell healthy instead of diseased. What good have you done? You send a man to AA and he may quit drinking, but he goes to hell sober instead of drunk. The first priority is that of the soul. The first priority is a matter of your eternal destiny. And this man got a healing here because sin is death. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And the Bible says, all have sinned. There's not a person here among us. I don't care how nice you look to me, how holy you look to me, or how I look to you. All of us have sinned against the Almighty God. Matter of fact, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar, and the truth is not in us. And the Bible says that sin has death to it. What you, you will sow what you, what you have reaped. If you sow to the wind, the Bible says you will sow, you will reap the whirlwind. The Bible says he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sowed to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And you always get more in reaping than you do in sowing. If you put one kernel of corn in the ground, and that takes root and grows and you get a stalk and that stalk has an ear, two ears, sometimes three uh, on it. And each ear has, I don't know, a good number of 
kernel corns on it. You only planted one, but you got more than you have planted. And it's the same thing with sin. You might say, well, preacher, it's just a small thing, but it will multiply and it will multiply and grow. And soon you will say such a bitter harvest. It wasn't worth it at all. And so here we have this man and he's in this horrible pit. But I want you to turn to Mark chapter number two, if you will, please. As we talk about the healing of this man and Mark, the second chapter. And just and begin reading with verse number one. And again, he was he entered into Capernaum. He was in Capernaum before and he left. Now he's coming back again. And again, he entered into Capernaum. After several days, it was noised that he was in the house. Oh, I like that. You ought to make a lot of noise for Jesus. Doesn't the world make noise for their God? Doesn't the world make noise for their cause? Then why are we Christians so shy to stand up for the name of Jesus? Why are we so shy just to claim him as our savior and say he is the righteous one? Uh, there was a, you probably read it on the news. I saw on the news myself. I would not have believed it. I even saw the video clip of it. I could not believe it. This congressman was asked to lead the Congress in prayer. And uh, he got up there and I don't know, he prayed something or other. And then at the end, he says, amen and a woman. He should have gone one more, a moron. <laughs> but you see, sin always hurts. And here is a man, I man, he made noise to what he believed. We as Christians ought to make noise about Jesus. Don't you think that? We ought to make noise about Christ. And so it was noise that he was announced. Somehow word got out. So, hey, Jesus is in there. Hey, Jesus, somebody had a testimony. Somebody boldly spoke of the presence of God there. And then in straightway, many were gathered together. Insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. Can you imagine a packed out church? I mean, folk, folks, when I say packed out, I mean packed, packed, packed out. I mean, you couldn't squeeze one more into the pew. Chairs setting up in the aisle. Chairs setting up on the outside aisle. A chair setting up across the back. People standing. The choir filled with, choir law filled with people. Even chairs on the platform. I preached a youth rally out in uh, Pennsylvania one time. A small little church. Churches on maybe would only hold maybe 100, 125 people. We have 300 pe young people in there that night. Can you imagine 300 young people packed? I mean, they were, we actually had them on the platform. As I was preaching, they were sitting all around me. I mean, I could hardly move. Y'all like walking around sometimes when I move and when I preach. And the reason for that is because I learned a long time ago that a moving target is harder to hit. And so I, I couldn't move. I mean, I had to stay put. They were all around me. Oh, what a blessed time we had. That house was packed. I long to see that again. I long to see that an average attendance in our local churches. I like to see the church house filled once more. And I know, okay, with the COVID stuff, that's all right. But that's not going to last forever. But when we had the opportunity, we didn't take advantage of it. And when we get it again, let's go back and take advantage of it. The house 
was full, but I want you to notice what he did. The Bible says the house was was full. Everybody was uh, was packed in, and he, what does it say? Say it. I want to hear it. What did he do? He preached. He preached. Some in churches giving up preaching. I've seen a lot of these TV churches. I'm not talking about those of our fundamental independent Baptist churches that live stream. I'm talking about these big, big churches. And they don't have preaching no more. The preacher gets up there and he says, he doesn't say, I want to preach today. He said, no, he goes, let me share with you. I want to share. The Bible says to preach. Go into all the world and preach Christ. I've, you know this is one of my little rabbit trails that I get off on, and I, it's, it's starting to grow some grass, so i got to walk on it some more and trample it back down. So let me go down that rabbit trail just a little bit with you today. I, I, nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to share Jesus. You won't find that in the Bible. In fact, you don't even find the word share in the Bible except maybe plowshare, but we're not talking about that kind of share. You know, and you know, go into all the world and share your faith. Don't say that. But it does say go into all the world and preach, preach the gospel. That's what it says. But please God, by the foolishness of sharing, to say that, no, it please God by the foolishness of what? Preaching. Say it, folks. And please God by the foolishness of preaching to save those who... You say preaching is God's way of doing it. He didn't say, well, he, he got up and he had a drama team. Not all of that, I guess, is fine. He didn't say we had a big cantata and all of that is fine. But nothing will ever take the place of gospel preaching. Nothing will ever take the place of doing what Jesus said, the way Jesus said to do it, and that is preaching is a strong word. Sharing is a weak word. And we take an offering. So often sometimes I hear uh, people say, I guess I have said it, and maybe you have too. But I've said, now share what you have with God. You don't find that in the Bible. Share what you have with God. The Bible doesn't say share, and it should be shared unto you, does it? But the Bible says give, and it shall be given unto you. You see, when you, here's the problem, folks. When you share, you never let go. It's still yours. Right? You never let go. It's sharing. It's still mine, but I'm sharing it with you. You're not letting go. Listen, folks, when I give to God, I let go. It's gone. The Bible doesn't say share your life with God because if you're sharing your life with God, who else are you sharing it with? But the Bible says to give your life to him and let him take control of it. So he preached the word unto them. And they came and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. That's a disease of the legs that the man cannot walk. Sick of the palsy, which was born of four. They carried him on a stretcher. And they said, we just got to get him to Jesus. Just got to get him to Jesus. He has a... Folks, stop and think. Right now, is your heart aching and burning for someone that you love and know to come to Jesus? Maybe a son. Maybe a daughter. Maybe a husband, a wife, or a mother. Or a father, an aunt, an uncle, 
a friend. How burdened are you to bring him to Jesus? These four says, we're going to get this one to Jesus. They must have heard about his might. They must have heard about his power. And this is, if we could just get him to Jesus, he's going to be okay. Do you have that burden in your heart today? Who is it that you, that you know right now? Oh, he said, God, if I could just get, you, get him to Jesus. Hear, hear the word of God. They brought him to Jesus, but they couldn't get in. There was a barrier. The house was full. The doors were packed. And maybe even outside around the church as well. But what I like about this, they didn't give up. They didn't say, oh, well, sorry, we tried, we did our best, but maybe next time uh, Jesus won't be as busy and we can squeeze him. No, they said, we're not giving up. You know the account. They went up to the roof and chopped it up. Now, folks, that had to be a pretty big hole. If you're going to let down one sick of the palsy on a bed, that's got to be a big hole. (laughs) That's got to be a big hole. But they let him in. Nothing was going to stop them from getting this one to Jesus. What stops you from inviting somebody to church? What stops you from saying, listen, I want you to come to church. Listen, let me pick you up Sunday, take you to church, I'll take you out to lunch, or I'll take you home for lunch. What's stopping you from bringing somebody to Jesus? What's stopping you from bringing somebody to church? So nothing's going to stop. And you know what? I'm looking at this. You notice it said when they had broken it up. I mean, they must have come with some axes and ropes. Now, folks, I'll admit, I would be a little bit nervous if I saw you walking in with some axes and ropes this morning. I'd keep an eye on you. I I really would. I really would. But they came prepared. They chopped it up and they let them down. Then I want you to notice when Jesus saw their faith. Wow. They had enough faith to bring him. They had enough faith to overcome the obstacle. When Jesus saw their faith, now notice it doesn't say his faith, but those that brought him. And sometimes, folks, your faith can rub off on somebody else. Saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be Forgiven thee. Oh no, Jesus, <laughs> you got it all wrong, man. You got it all wrong. We didn't bring him here for some type of revival meeting like this. The man needs healing on his legs. And what he needed the most was to be saved. What he needed the most was his sins forgiven. And you know, that's what the world needs today. The world doesn't need a better government. The world needs forgiveness of their sins. The world doesn't need uh, better health care. The world needs Forgiveness for their sins. And what we need the most, we think of the least. And he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. The first thing he needed was salvation of the soul. The first thing he needed was the eternal security of his heart before God. The healing did come later, the physical healing, yes. But let's put first things first. We don't need to bring folks to church to be entertained. We don't need to entertain folks. But what we need is the clear preaching of the word of God. And thank God for churches like Harvest Baptist Church that have stood by the test of time. Folks, I have been in every building you existed in. Started way back somewhere somewhere else here in town. I don't know if some of those are 
Veterans Hall, something like that. And then over on Torringford Road, and I remember that there and, uh, and all. And then this building be made and how God had, had built this work here. Uh, of course, the devil fought over the years. You know that. And you fought many of the battles uh, with the preacher. But thank God, the victory was ours through faith in Jesus Christ. I understand that uh, today. But thank God for churches that still preach the gospel, the old time gospel of Jesus Christ. How many times in television preachers have they said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand? How many times did they say, be converted, the Bible says? How many times have you heard them preach about a, a hell that's burning and consuming a lost souls forever? But they just content to go share it. I don't want to be part of that crowd at all. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, and I'm going to tell people about it. He delivered my soul, and I'm going to proclaim his name. And so what we see here now is this man got a, a, a spiritual, spiritual healing. I'm going to tell you, no matter what your problem is, Jesus can handle it. I don't care what it is. You got problems in your marriage? Jesus can put it back together. You have problems in the home with children? Jesus can put it back together. You have... Uh, problems individually in your life, Jesus can put it back together. There is no problem that Jesus cannot solve. He is the great physician and he never lost a patient yet. Praise God for that. The man got to heal him, but he also got help. You know, after you're saved, the battle just begins. You find that out? You know, before you're saved, the devil, I got his soul. It doesn't worry too much about you. You'll sow your own fleshly iniquity and you'll get yourself in so much trouble. He doesn't have to bother with you. But as soon as you give your heart to Jesus Christ, as soon as you're converted unto him, all of a sudden now he gets concerned. Why? Because now you are a potential weapon against him. Now you are a potential weapon against him. He says, I'm, he can't touch your soul. Aren't you glad for that? He can't touch your soul. But he says, I'm going to make you ineffective as a Christian. I'm going to make you a miserable Christian. And they're out there, folks. I've seen folks come to church like they had a transfusion from a dill pickle. <laughs> ah, man, they just come and bless me. <laughs> folks, I'll admit, sometimes my spirit isn't always right. But when I walk through the doors and I sit, and I lift my voice up in song, all of that fades away. And the joy of the Lord thrills me and fills me. You see, the devil doesn't want you to be a joyful Christian. He wants you to be a critical Christian. Criticize everything. And the pastor, he's, he preaches too shallow. Pastor, he preaches too deep, too deep. He preaches too long. He preaches too short. Church is too cold. The church is too high. This, I mean, you're not going to please everybody, are you? But I'm not here to please you, and you're not here to please me. We are here to please the Lord. Amen. We're going to need help in life. You say, well, Christians have sorrows. Yes, but I also have the, the promise of Jesus. I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Well, Christians have trouble. Yes, but I have the words of Scripture. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe God. Believe also in me. Well, well, Christians have times of needs. Yes, but I also have the promise. My God shall supply all your need. You see, you can't lose with, with, with Christ today. 
church in Massachusetts. I was holding a revival some years ago. For special music, a gentleman was going to sing, an elderly man in a wheelchair. When it came time for the special music, they wheeled him up by the side of the piano, turned his chair around to face the congregation, and there was a microphone. He couldn't walk. It's been many years since he could walk. He was confined to a home. Then he began to sing the song, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And I began to think, a man in a wheelchair could have that kind of testimony of help from the Lord. What about me? And I want to tell you today, no one's ever going to love you more than Jesus will. No one will ever be more faithful to you than Jesus. I love my wife. She's faithful. But I'm going to tell you something. You'll never know true love until you know Jesus Christ. No one ever loved me like Jesus did. He went to the cross and he didn't just die for me. Yes, I understand, but that not. He also suffered for you. We forget that part, don't we? He suffered six long hours crucified. Insects eating at his flesh. I can imagine the buzzards circling around just waiting for the bodies to be disposed of. People walking by. Ha, ha, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If thou be the Christ, come down from the cross and we will believe and praise God, praise God and thank God and thank God he didn't come down. But he suffered. As the flames of hell licked at him, he cried out, I thirst. They gave him vinegar mixed with gall to drink. They all forsook him. And then at that dreadful hour, when he who knew no sin became sin for you and for me, cried out, Eli, Eli, Lashimabathani, which is to say, my God, my God, why? Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, God, why? Thou forsaken me. And for the first time in all of eternity, God turned his back on his only begotten son. And he who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. No one ever cared for me like that. Every sin I have ever committed, every evil thought that passed through my mind, every evil deed, every evil place these feet have brought me, he paid for. But not just me, but you and you and you and you and you and all of us here and worldwide of all time past, present, and future. He paid it all. No one ever will love you like Jesus loves you. 
This man also got hope. Where's the hope of the world today? Well, now, now maybe we've got a Democrat in the White House. Things are going to be better. I'm hoping so. Is that where your hope is? I don't care if a Democrat or Republican, elephant or donkey. I don't care. Because my hope is in the Lord. It's not in man. The Bible said it is better to trust the Lord than to put your confidence in man. It is better to trust the Lord than to put your confidence in princes. That's government. And by the way, the Lord is my shepherd, not the government. Not the government. He got hope. A car won't run without gas or electric car without power. A watch won't run without some type of power. Flowers won't grow without water and without sunshine. And a person cannot go on life without hope. That's why they turn to drugs. That's why they turn to alcohol. That's why they turn to suicide. That's why they turn to sex. All because they have no hope in anything else today. For years I have preached youth camp. 25 years straight without a break I had preached youth camp. One particular camp I preached in was in New York State. It was right on the Delaware River where New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey come together. And If you travel Interstate 84 and you go across the Delaware River, that's where the camp is. Two young girls got to know each other and found out that their backgrounds were very, very similar. Neither of them knew who their father was. You know, that's such a shame, isn't it? Not knowing who your daddy is. Mothers ran around, new boyfriend every few months. Alcohol, drugs in the home, abuse, beatings. And they made a pact with each other. Somehow they got a hold of a rope. And their plan was one night to sneak out of the cabins in early morning hours, go down to the riverside of the Delaware River, tie that rope around them, and together jump into the water and die together in that suicide pack. But God intervened. At the end of the camp week, as so often, there's testimony time. Sometimes it's around a campfire. Many times it's in the chapel. And they're having testimony that night. And young men would come up and they'd say, this week God called me to preach. Young ladies, God called me as a missionary. God called me to go to Bible college. They gave various testimonies. And then these two girls started walking down the aisle side by side, holding this rope. Kind of an unusual sight, you can imagine. And they walked down and they went up to the microphone together. They told of their past, how miserable, just like that man in the pit. They didn't see a way out. They came to camp. Had nothing to lose, nothing else to do. Somebody else paid for it. And by the way, if, if you can, and you can help a young person go to camp, please do it. It could change their life forever. 
And then they said they were in such utter despair that they had made a suicide pact with each other. They were going to go down to the river and kill themselves together. They said, but one night the preacher began to talk about why you have life, why God created you, and why you are here. And for the first time, they began to realize there was hope, there was a purpose, there was a plan for their life. And they took that rope and they threw it on the ground and says, we won't be needing this anymore. Hope. Where's your hope? Have you given up on it? Sometimes even Christians can say, oh, it's hopeless. I prayed for years for this one to be saved. They're never going to be saved. Oh, don't do that. Don't, you just do not know. Sometimes I, can, I won't go into other te- I have so many testimonies I can tell you. I'm, I haven't time. But I have known folks that 40, 50 years fought God. But folks didn't quit praying. Didn't quit testifying. Didn't quit inviting and they had gotten saved. Some hope for a better tomorrow. But what does God say about tomorrow? You know not what tomorrow should be, right? For what is your life? It is even as a vapor. Boy, can't we? Some of us could testify to that, isn't it? Can't we? Our life passes so quickly. So quickly it passes away. Like a vapor. Gone. Like grass that grows and is cut like a story told, and it's so soon over. Life is short, and we don't know what tomorrow is going to be. All we have is today, and only Jesus can give you the hope that you need. But then lastly, this man got something else. At the end of his life, he got heaven. (laughs) Aren't you glad for heaven? I tell you, it's looking sweeter every day. (laughs) The longer I live, the more I realize there's nothing down here I really want. When I read about the street that's paved with gold, when I read about the river that flows from the throne of God as clear as crystal, when I read about a place where God should wipe away all tears from their eyes, where there be no more sorrow, No more crying, no more sighing, and bless God, no more dying. When God, who shall change these human bodies, take our vile bodies and fashion it like unto his glorious body forever in eternity. Oh, if you're here this morning and you're not sure of your eternal destination, and it very well can be. You say, well, preacher, I've gone to this church all of my life. When when you go to church all your life, doesn't make any difference. You need to go to Calvary and be saved. You need Jesus. Well, preacher, I said a prayer. Are you counting on a prayer to save you? Nowhere in the Bible tells you to pray uh, a certain prayer to be saved. No, the Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto God. Belief in Christ, then the words come from your mouth of confessing him as Savior. What about your eternal destiny? What are you resting on today? A prayer that you prayed? A one, two, three, pray after me type conversion, which is no conversion at all? Or coming to that point and saying, I have sinned and my sin will bring me to hell. But Jesus, I know you died for me. Paid the price 
for my soul. I can't save myself. I ask you to save me. Believing in your heart, he is the son of God and that he died for you. Paul said in his life, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can you say that this morning? Will you say that this morning? I don't know how many more years of my life I have left. I'm over half time. The Bible says the days of man is, a seven, is 70 years. You may live to be 80, and I'm right in the middle, 75 this year, so I'm right in the middle. I don't know how many more years I, I'll have, but I do know this. I want every one of them to count for Christ. I want every one of them to be fruitful to the Lord. What about you this morning? 2020 is over. All of its pains, all of its sufferings, all of its disappointments, and all of its blessings, too. They're gone. We're one-third of the way of the first month of the new year. Today being the 10th, one-third of the way through. And I don't have tomorrow. I only have today. And I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. What about you this morning? If you're not sure of the destiny of your soul when you die, why don't you make sure this morning and give it to Jesus? This morning, some of you, most of you probably can say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. I have that assurance. Then would you make a recommitment to Christ? Say, I want to live for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do. He brought you out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay, set your feet upon a rock of foundation, established your going. He's got a plan for you. And he put a new song in your mouth to sing for Jesus. Would you stand with me, please, right now, right where you're at? And look up this way. Look at me as you stand, please. Let me see your face. I wonder this morning, can I ask you to join me at this altar to say, Lord, I want to say, Paul, as Paul said, for me to live is Christ die is gain. I want to live my life for Jesus and recommitment to him at this hour. Will someone step out from where you are right now and meet me at this altar right now this morning. By so doing, be saying I'm recommitting this year to Jesus Christ. That's right. You come now. He's done so much for you. God bless you, folks. God bless you. That's right. That's right. You come. Let others come. If the altar's full or something, that's okay. Just sit in the front row. Stand on the side. Uh, it makes no difference. You just come and say, Lord, let that new song be in my mouth that others may see it and hear. God bless you, dear ones. God bless you. 
folks, keep looking up at me. Please keep looking up at me. Would you take your stand and your walk for Jesus this morning? We're going to have a word of prayer in just a moment. We'd like to have you join us. You could come even, even now. Father in heaven, it's not easy to do what these folks did. Sometimes we don't, oh, I don't need to do that there. I could, yeah, I, I, I guess so. But the real, the real thing is, Lord, we don't want to be ashamed that you've touched our heart and touched our life. You put a new song in my mouth. Many shall hear it. And Father, I pray that through our testimony of living for you, souls will be saved. Lives will be transformed. Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, I guess it starts with us. For you have said, if my people, that's us. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. But Lord, the light's gone dim and flickered. And the salt has lost its savor. But this morning we renew our life to you. To live for you. To the glory of Jesus. Bless these that have come. Seal this decision in their heart. In the name of Christ I ask it. Amen and amen. God bless you folks. We could sing a verse.